Um, you can go ahead and turn to Second Kings 4. So last week, um, I was on worship team, and um, we got home, and uh, Tom's like, are you okay? You kind of yelled at everybody in worship. And then I cried. And then I went, I had to run something down to Barbara's house. Barbara lives down the road for the that don't know. Barbara lives down the road, and I had to run something to her house, and she's like, you yelled at everybody in worship, and so, um, and so then I cried again, but, um, <laughs> and so actually, I want to go back to the scene of the crime. Actually, I want to tell you guys what was going on, so, and that was what the Lord um, gave me my message from this passage. So this passage was read twice and prayed into twice in, during worship last week, um, and the Lord really opened something up to me, so it was just funny when People were like, you yelled at everybody. And I'm like, oh, I thought it was a beautiful thing the Lord was showing me. <laughs> I'll tell you all about that. So um, this is Second Kings 4, um, verse 1. It says, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, and then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her sons, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. And um, so this story is short and sweet and like every um, clause of every sentence kind of chucked full of stuff. Like this is really meaty and good. I'm going to tell you what the Lord has shown me through it. um, But there's no, I mean, we could all probably teach on this passage and get something different out of it. Um, And so actually during worship, I'll just... um, the reason that it really struck me um, was because the day before, I had just been like really crying out to the Lord and saying, God, I just feel like I feel hollow. Um, and, uh, you know, when you're walking with the Lord for such a long time, you just know like some things you shouldn't be feeling because in him is fullness of everything good and right, and fullness of joy, like everything in him is nothing but fullness, and so why am I walking with you, and I feel hollow, God, and and so when people started praying into this, I don't even know what they prayed, like sometimes I get through half of somebody's sentence when you're praying, just a, a like a worship person thing, and like my brain stops right there, and I don't know, I did not hear all of this, but I did hear this beginning part, and so I kind of got stuck on that, and, and I just felt like, and the Lord immediately, he just showed me, like, all of these little vessels and, and things as little as, like, a thimble, um, and, and he just showed them to me, and he's like, Jen, you have them all, but, and, and I just saw some of them had, like, handles on it, you know, and he's just like, the difference between you just staying hollow and you being a vessel or having vessels that are waiting to be filled is just a matter of you letting me pick you up and and actually insisting and like purposefully going and getting that vessel and bringing it to me with an anticipation that I'm going to fill it up and um um and it just it just kind of brought like this flood of revelation and so like when we start looking at this passage um really a tragedy has happened. Um, a man has died and he's left a wife and a couple of boys that are, I'm, you know, they're not old enough to be taking care of things or making an income. So they're, they're little, they're old enough to run to the neighbors and get some vessels, but you know, so they're, but they're too little to be taking care of their mom. Um, and so this family, they have lost, um, they have lost the husband, they have lost their husband, they have lost their dad. And, um, you know, the, 
the system is whatever the system should be. You know, the Lord put laws in place so that these kind of things didn't happen, but it's failing them. Creditors are coming to take her little boys and make them slaves. And it, it doesn't take even a terribly compassionate person to know that's not right um, and shouldn't be happening. She's a widow. Somebody should be helping her. Um, and... But more specifically, he wasn't just any guy. This man um, that has that has died, he is he was a son of the prophets, and so the inheritance that he had been getting from his father was a, a prof- the prophetic. He was connect. He was a man who was connected to God. He had an inheritance, and and let's just assume it was a good prophet. There's lots of false prophets in the Old Testament. Um, And so what should his kids be inheriting? What should they be experiencing is a connection to God and that leadership. And so what we're seeing is like this family is cut off from what should be happening, the good thing that should be happening. Um, They're cut off from it. They're cut off from this prophetic um, inheritance from the Lord And in fact, she's going to even lose her boys. She's not even going to watch them grow into like this dream of being a prophet and being a servant of the Lord. They're they're in danger of them being taken away, and she doesn't even get to see them be raised. Um, And so... So what the Lord just started talking to me about afterwards when I went back, I went back um, after that service and was just reading this passage and and so, and what he's highlighting to me is this, this lack of father, this lack of husband, and all the things that come with it. You know, you just think of you know, what should be happening when there's a dad, when there's a when there's a good father, when there's a good husband. Like they're protected, right? They're provided for. Um there is vision for the family. I'm just going to skip through my notes. Sorry. And this family, like they're they're just missing this. And so what what the Lord was showing me was uh, my my notes are really s- slim this morning. So, um, Lord, just bring it all back to memory. Um, He's saying, like, go and bar, like, get some vessels, and I'll fill them up. What she did have, though, was, like, a little bit of oil. And oil is, like, that anointing, right, that um, favor. She's got a little bit of it, and he is, like, he's going to cause this miracle to happen and to start filling it up. And so what the Lord had showed me was, like, just all these little um, pockets of my heart that are, um, like, little vessels. And I just think of, like, if, you, if I said, okay, like, I'm going to cause this miracle to happen and go get anything from your house that could be used to fill, like, put oil in. And I just keep coming back to this thimble because I'm a person who sews and I've got a lot of little thimbles. And just and maybe, like, that was just me saying, God, I have faith for you to fill up. Just, like, let me just give you the littlest chunk of my life and you fill it up with this, this oil. And I, yes, and from buckets to like a wheelbarrow to like a teacup, like what could I bring the Lord? And, and he's just showing me like my heart in all the little places. And I thought I was giving him the places though. You know what I'm saying? Cause we talk about this all the time. Like I thought I was, and he just showed me like, but you're not like you're, we're all, we all have vessels. We all have a lot of vessels there are all these like little chambers of our hearts. Like I think I've compared it to like all the little parts in a sponge. Like if you look at a sponge up close, there's all these little things and that's what fills up with water when you put it in water. And he's like, all of your heart is just full of all of these little things. And is it, it will be filled. That's like, I feel like that's message number two, but he's saying they, they will get filled by something. And he's saying, um, he he told the Pharisees, like, clean out your cup and ask me to come and fill it. And so, like, even cleaning it out, I have to just give it to him and be like, Lord, can you clean this out and come and fill it with you? And, like, when when the oil of the Lord comes, 
It is the anointing of a father. It is the anointing um, of a husband. It is um, everything that I'm thinking about, everything, every little part of my life and attitude is it full of the knowledge of like the provision of God and the goodness of God and the um, the kindness and his love, his wisdom. Like um, especially, and I'm talking about prophecy specifically, so it's like this, is does every part of my life and the way I think, does it have vision? Does it have direction and destiny and purpose? All these things like a dad and a husband would like bring to the table in like the perfect situation. Am I covered in everything? And and do I see everything through the light of the Lord having poured into that thing faith and hope and love? And the truth is very little because if it was, I wouldn't walk around saying, God, I feel hollow. And I, there's this thing where we pray and we ask a ton for, like, the Lord to fill us up, you know. Fill us up, God. Fill us up, fill us up, fill us up, fill us up, fill us up. And so sometimes, like, do you just stop and re-ask the Lord, okay, wait, what are we saying? Because we're saying the same phrase over and over and over again. And, like, what are we actually asking for? And so this morning when I was like, okay, God, we say this all the time, fill us up. What are we, what are we asking to be filled with? Um, and he just said, he told me it's my presence, um, that I'm asking for his presence to be near me and that I want to feel the reality of that. I think it's like, it's the fullness of that feeling, right? Like that it would go past, um, just my head knowing he's near and I would totally feel, you know what I mean? Like you, you can kind of know you're safe in a situation, but that's not the same as feeling safe. Like, I want to know and feel that I'm safe. And and that was what I was, um, the Lord was showing me that I typically am praying when I'm saying, like, fill me up, God. Fill me with the knowledge of your love um, and that I have something to pour back out. Um, let's see. And he's saying, like, I want to fill you with the grace that um, a father and a husband bring. And it's, um, go with me to Amos 8. I put little pieces of fabric in my Bible. (laughs) I was doing this in my sewing room. Amos. This is Amos 8, um, 11 and 12. Um, and I just, I just know like what the Lord's talking to me about and I feel the urgency of this. Um, and I think this is part of why, um, in Amos 8, 11 and 12, he says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east and they shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. So he's prophesied and promised us that there's going to be a famine of hearing him. And and I know that we all have gone through times where it's like, I just feel like I'm not connecting with the Lord. I feel like I can't hear the Lord. But he's saying like, like a famine of it, not like my garden failed. Like everybody's is failing. <laughs> like there is, there's nowhere for it to be found, the word of the Lord. And, and that it's super important right now to not take for granted the, the word of the Lord because it's, it's going to be, what if it's all gone? You know what I mean? What if nobody knows what to do is what that means. And, and I remember, I remember years ago, <laughs> Um, the, the thing that um, really somebody pointed out to me that really arrested me and made me believe again that the outpouring of the Spirit was really important um, was when I said to somebody, nobody knows what to do. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, the Spirit needs to be poured out. And I was like, okay, now I'm on board. If the Spirit being poured out means people know what to do, 
for some, I don't know. I, and I have always been this way, a lack of leadership. It makes me angry like really quickly. And so like, I tend to jump into leadership positions cause I hate the void of it. It just bugs me. Like I might not be good at it, but there, but I'll do it. You know, so and I, I get myself in a lot of trouble in this way. And the Lord is saying, like, days are coming when people knowing what to do is not going to be common. Like, we're, people are going to lose their minds. We know this. These are the judgments. People are going to lose their minds. But we've been promised to have a sound mind, like, not a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of a sound mind. And so that means, but what is your mind made out of? Well, it's made out of a bunch of things that you're thinking and all these little thoughts and like all these little like compartments of a sponge, these little things that over and over, we just have to be like, oh God, this is coming up. Mm, Here's this. Would you clean it out and would you fill it with your presence so that I have leadership in this thing? The way that I think of you know, Abriel is my kid, and and just even, like, we're going clothes shopping today, and, like, Lord, would you come into this and be the leader in it and tell us how to think about this afternoon and how we're going to go about it? Would you come shine your light in the middle of us spending time together so that it's not void of you, but it's full of you and godly conversation? It's all the little things. Um, it's a, it's a lack of leadership, like this lack of the word of the Lord, like the word of the Lord is available to people who care about it and are willing to lay down their leadership, right? We know he's so generous. So if there's a famine of the word of the Lord, it means almost nobody cares what he has to say. Because, I mean, like his river does run to the lowest places where people have humbled themselves and they care about the word of the Lord over and they're willing to just die to themselves, lay it down. Um, he will go there, right? He promises. He, he always goes there. And I think that this, we would all say this is true in our lives. When I stop fighting you, when I stop, when I just laid down, like you poured it out. And so the famine um, of the word of the Lord is, a lack of us wanting the leadership of God. Um, let's go to Isaiah 2, 2 and 3. I've got a chunk in there that I want to point out. So if you start in Isaiah 2, This, the beginning of this chapter, it talks a little bit about like the way it ought to be. Now it shall come to pass um, in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted over the hills, above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. This is good, right? This is the picture of what it looks like when the Lord is in leadership and he is being embraced by the nations. The next chapter, uh, or the next verse, it starts talking, it begins a passage about judgment, though. It says, O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. For you have forsaken your people, the, oh, the house of Jacob, because they were filled with eastern ways. They are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they are pleased with the children of foreigners. Their land is also full of silver and gold, and there is no end to their treasures. Their land is also full of horses, and there is no end to their chariots. Their land is also full of idols. The work They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. People bow down, and each man humbles himself. Therefore, do not forgive them. Um, so this is just a little explanation. The Lord is kind of spelling out why they're being judged and, 
And um, so this like Eastern ways and the soothsayers, this is leadership. This is, this is occultic practices. Um, and, and it's not like, um, you know, like we play with, I mean, we don't, but you know what I mean? Just kind of like, it's fun to play with tarot cards or like a Ouija board or things like that. I mean, this was, these people were very serious. This is, this is what and who they're consulting to know how to run their lives. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like the way that you would take very seriously the way you'd go to like a therapist or a pastor. You know what I mean? Like you're expecting to get real answers from your life. And he's saying you're embracing leadership that is false. Um, the other things that they're doing is they're storing up silver and gold and horse chariots. And um, there's a passage... I don't think we really need to go there, but he's correcting them because there's a passage in Deuteronomy. I had it written down. Mm. There's a passage in Deuteronomy, and it, it just specifically tells the Israelites that they're not supposed to do those things. Like, literally, don't store up gold and silver, and don't store up, don't go back to Egypt to get more horses and chariots. Like, I'm, I'm pulling you out of Egypt. Like, quit going back there and trying to emulate their ways. Um, like, don't have two gods at the same time. So all of that to say, if you go to, oh, that was Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 17. We don't need to go there. Flip over, though, to um, this Isaiah 3 passage, 1 to 3. For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, he takes away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stock and the stores, the whole supply of bread and the whole supply of water, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet, and the diviner and the elder and the captain of 50 and the honorable man, the counselor and the skillful artisan and the enchanter. So if you look at this list of the things that he's going to take away from Jerusalem and Judah, they actually are a lot of things that like... Um, this leadership of like a dad um, and, and a husband would do like, he's taking away the food and the water, like the provision, like the, um, you know, like what you're going to, going to sustain you, the mighty man, man of war, um, like that protect, that idea of protection, um, the judge, prophet, uh, you know, dad's judge stuff. <laughs> they make judgment calls, um, a prophet, the diviner, what else, an enchanter. Those are all people that you'd expect to give some kind of like prophetic insight vision um, you know this is this is what we're doing he's like I'm gonna take away all of these captain of 50 I don't know about the skillful artisan the analogy breaks down right there but these this idea that I'm gonna take away from you kind of these false um, ways that you're embracing everything else to be like a dad and like a husband to you. Um, and he says, this is what he says, though, um, in verse 4, he says, I'll give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. That is not good. That's not good. That is not the way it's supposed to be, right? Like, we all know it's it's a tragedy when a child dies because it's just the not the natural order of things. And and if you've got a kid that's in charge because there's no adults, like there's no, really you're that old and you still don't have any wisdom, that's not right. That's not the way it should be going. Um, that's a curse. The people will be oppressed, everyone by another and everyone by his neighbor. The child will be insolent toward the elder and the base toward the honorable. Verse 6, and when a man um, takes hold of his brother in the house of his father, saying, you have clothing, you be our ruler, and let these ruins be under your power. And that day he will protest, saying, I cannot cure your ills, for in my house is neither food nor clothing. Do not make me a ruler of the people. And so um, again, this uh, verse six, a man is taking a hold of his brother in his father's house. Where's dad? I don't know. Like, is he dead? Is he drunk? <laughs> Has he just given up? You know, is, is he there, but he's not really there? We don't know, but there's now kids 
that are not in charge of their own households who are saying one is putting the pressure on the other. And the thing that he sees in the brother where he's grabbing him and saying, um, you be in charge, it says, he says, you have clothing, which is a funny one. And I'm sure there are other things that this means, but, um, you know, an article of clothing, like um, a robe, like think of Joseph when he got that coat and it was a sign of anointing and favor from his father. It was a sign, I mean, your clothing in the most basic form, it is protection from the elements. He's like, you look like something. Um, When you, you know, probably not so much now, but like government officials, you know, back in in biblical times, they would have worn different kind of clothes, right? They would have had particular colors that only, you know, like a uniform, you know what I mean? We would know that you have been sent by the king because you're wearing a specific kind of thing and we should honor you. And so there's something about one of the brothers saying to the other one, you have clothes, you be in charge, Let the ruins be under your power. I mean, it's, he's like, well, it can't get any worse. It's all falling apart anyway. You do it. Um, and the other brother says, um, he protests, and he says, I cannot cure your ills, for in my house is neither food nor clothing. And do not make me a ruler of the people. He's like, I don't have food. I do not have the word of the Lord, right? I, I don't have that connection. I have nothing to give you guys. And, and I, f- I feel like maybe we've all been in a place where like, I got nothing for you. I got nothing. You know, sometimes it's in a good way when we just don't try to be helpful to somebody who's suffering and we just admit that we don't have anything. But sometimes you know you should have something because you're connected to God. You're a person who's supposed to be connected to God and you have nothing and that's not good. He's saying, I don't have any connection to the Lord um, and I don't have any clothing. Actually, I don't have anything. I know that it looks like I've got something going on, but I don't really. I have nothing. I don't have protection. I'm not who you think that I am. And this poor house is just, it is left desolate. There's no one. There's a void of leadership. Um, can we go to Zechariah 8? What did I say? 20 through 23. So here's the, the opposite of, this, of that brother who says, don't put me in charge. Thus says the, um, says the Lord of hosts. This is Zechariah 8, verses 20 through 23. Peoples shall yet come, inhabitants of many cities, The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, Let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will go also. Yes, many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days, ten men from every language of the nation shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man and saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. This is a promise, right? And the, only, and the difference is one is, is one man looking at another saying, you look like you've got something, be in charge. And the other is, I'm grasping hold of you, not to tear your garment away from you, not to be a burden from you, but to let you lead me somewhere. That's a burden that we can handle, Right? That's a burden like the Lord has made us to handle, which is, it sounds like you have a connection to God. Will you take me? Will you show me? And we know this is biblical. It's in the chapter of Song of Songs. Tell me, where do you feed your little goats? Like, by the tent. Like, follow them. Go to where the Lord is. Go to the place of meeting. And so we know, like, part of... um, of Israel's um, prophetic destiny is that they are going to be people who lead other people to God in righteousness. They don't try to be God to them. Um, they're full of kindness, and, and they lead the 
other people to them. I was having a conversation with Sam, and she was, I was just asking her questions about like what the house of prayer, um, where they're at in Israel is. And she was telling me, you know, it's weird because some days, like you could go to the same hour of prayer from one week to another, and like one week, you know, it's like here, there's a few people in the room. And the next week, it's like standing room only. And the difference is, did a bus full of tourists come in and they're in the prayer room that day? And I just was like, oh, that actually sounds terrible. I mean, that sounds like a very difficult ministry to have to minister to um, people coming to visit in that like transient way. That seems really hard to me. But um, this is probably, it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I'm going to tell you. But the Lord is like, that actually is the prophetic destiny of Israel is that people are going to come and visit. Like not everybody is going to stay there. They're going to come and go, come and go. Some will stay. Um, And so this is part of Israel's um, calling is to be people that, hey, you know God, can I come with you? Yeah, come with me. And that's not an unreasonable burden. And we're, we're grafted in. That's part of our calling as well. Instead of a brother um, yoinking on another brother being like, here, everything's a mess. You be in charge. And the other brother not having enough of God's leadership inside of him to say, calm down. Like, okay, I'm not the one, but I can take you to God. I can, let's start praying. Let's start talking to the Lord to come and be the leader here because I can't do it either, but it's okay that you can't and I can't. And obviously dad can't, um, but God will come and be the leader. Um, Ezekiel 16. Oh, maybe I didn't stick a thing in there for that one. This, um, this problem of being fatherless and husbandless, um, which I would say, maybe, you can have a controversy with me later if you feel like it. I, I think that women have um, an advantage to men in this because men, you're never expecting to have a husband. So there's like that way that you, um, maybe is a little more difficult for you to connect with the Lord. I mean, just the same way that it's, it's difficult for rich people to get into heaven because the poor are in a position of neediness um, to such a degree. It makes it easier to connect with the God. Like, um, so this is, this is Ezekiel 16. I'm going to start at verse 4. Um, The Lord is telling Israel, as for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. No eye pitied you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. But you were thrown out into the open field when you yourself were loathed on the day you were born. And when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you, in your blood live, and I made you thrive like a plant in the field, and you grew, matured, and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed, your hair grew, but you were naked and bare. And when I passed by you again and saw upon you and looked upon you, indeed your time was the time of love, so I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine, said the Lord God. Just wondering how long I wanted to read that, all the way to 14. When I washed you, then I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood, and I anointed you with oil. I clothed you in embroidered cloth and gave you sandals of badger skin. I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. I adorned you with ornaments and bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck, and I put a jewel in your nose, earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver. And your clothing was of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate pastry of fine flour, honey, and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and, succeed, and succeeded by royalty, to royalty. Your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor, which I had bestowed on you, said the Lord God. So I think there's varying degrees of 
um, like our backgrounds and our parentage, you know, good parents, I mean, a good parent has godly attributes and, and a really good parent is um, leading children to the Lord, connecting us back to God, being priests in the household and leading, leading our kids back to the Lord. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think most of us are like, we loved our parents, but you know, there were the things and then you get old enough and then you're less critical because you became a parent and then you're like, well, my kids are going to say the same thing. I love my parents, but, um, they were not sufficient. And, and so this passage is talking about Israel, but it's talking about us too, like, uh, the fallen state of man is this is all of our story that we were we were alone and we we needed a father and he comes as a father and when we needed a husband he's coming like a husband and and he's covering us and adorning us he's feeding us he's he's causing us to live in all of these ways and so um, this just is the process that we have signed up for is um, just submitting ourselves to the Lord in, in all of these ways and going like, God, I need you in all of these little vessels, all of these little compartments of my heart, my thought, my attitudes, my opinions. I need you to come and shine your glory inside of them and change me completely. Um, I just felt like the Lord was saying, like, we can ask ourselves, like, we can ask the Lord. We shouldn't ask ourselves. We can ask the Lord, um, how am I still an orphan? God, in what ways am I um, like a widow or like an unprotected, you know, somebody who's never been married and I'm just unprotected? Um, Or how am I like a soldier without a commanding officer? That's a curse, right? God, in what ways am I a prophet that can't hear God anymore? In what ways am I something that needs leadership over me and covering and help me bring it to you and step into um, just the fullness of your leadership um, the fullness of your leadership in my life. Um, the Lord has called us to, we know um, the, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins in Matthew 25. And it just, just really quickly, we know um, the passage, but it says, um, those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So it's like we have our lamps, right? But we need the vessel for the oil. And it needs to come with us with an anticipation that we have access to the Lord and he's going to keep putting um, that oil in them. And the Lord told us um, we're supposed to be a city on a hill. And a city on a hill, in the dark, you're not going to see it unless there's a bunch of lights. And, and these aren't, you know, this is the olden days. It's not like the modern days where you can push a button and it's all artificial. It is somebody lit a lamp in that house and that house and that house and that house. But he breaks it down even further and he says, you're supposed to be a lamp in your house. And that is, I believe, in our, our actual houses and in um, God's house, like we're meant to be a witness to the church of having oil. Ava, I think I'm almost done. You might want to come up. Um, yeah, I kept my notes just really like the passages that he was taking me to, but I feel like this is what... Um, he was revealing to me, you can come up, and um, just kind of the topic for the response and, the, and prayer um, and maybe to just be asking the Lord this week, like, God, what, um, like, what can I bring you and let you 
Phil, like what parts of, how do I think that actually doesn't have any hope in it? And so I know that you haven't filled it up. Um, like how, what am I looking at that is void of love? And so I know like you're kind of not there. <laughs> and we're getting ready to go into a very long, dark night. And like I was saying before, like this long, dark night is um, so few people in the earth communing with God and talking to him and knowing what he says. Um, and, and the dark night is what is going to make us shine so bright that we will we'll be fishers of men. We'll be able to put our nets in and just pull out men. And it will be the thing that will drive people crazy and want to kill us. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that is what's coming. And, and, and I... I felt like the Lord is telling me, John, there's so you, this feeling of hollowness, it's a gift because I'm trying to show you like there's so much of you. There's so many vessels that are unattended and left um, just neglected when I'm trying to pour out a miracle and I'm trying to fill you with the leadership that you're going to need in a long, dark night. And um, in God is so good, like it doesn't matter who my dad was in the ways that he was okay, the ways he, he failed. It doesn't matter, you know, I have a great husband, but it doesn't matter if he's great or not. And, um, and it doesn't matter um, if our government is nuts and it doesn't matter, like all of the places that we are longing to have good leadership and, and we might not. We might genuinely not. That might not be um, criticism. It might just be the truth. We don't have good leadership in this place. And the Lord is like, I will come. If you will invite me, I will come and I will be a good leader. And you can feel full and you can feel satisfied and you can not have a void in your life. Um, so God, um, I'm praying. Um, Lord, that we would just help us to start looking around. Okay, well, maybe you're giving us another chance by saying, hey, are you sure you don't have some more vessels that you would like me to fill? God, um, yeah, I think I actually do. Let me start looking. Would you help me look? Would you help me look around the house? Well, could you put it in this? Would you put it in this? Would you put it in this? Would you shine your glory in this? we just you know we are in a dry and weary land like water is hard to find and we are crying out to you and saying like we're thirsty God would you fill us God we are we are in a dry and weary land where the word of the Lord is it's growing it's growing dim it is, it is becoming a rarity Lord we want to hear you Father, I'm asking um, just for a miracle at Light Hop, for in my heart, in my friends' hearts, that you would pour out oil so that we can, um, we can have a light and be awake in this long, dark night, Lord.
thank you for this um, beautiful message. And um, I thank you that um, there's that silence for half an hour in heaven that um, I wouldn't even know what to do about it, what to be ready for. Um, Father, I repent for a um, way that I have net breath vessels of my heart to you. I think, well, this is so cracked and broken. It's not going to even hold any oil. And not realizing that you're the one that um, formed those vessels in my heart to begin with. And you can take all the broken places and mend them and then put your oil in them. So um, I just agree with this beautiful message, Lord. And I always wonder what we were going to do with the famine of your word. I think you're speaking to my sister about that. And um, yeah, will you show us all those vessels that we don't even want to bring to you? Because I don't think you're um, going to move in that way. Um, I'm sorry. I just want to bring every vessel of my heart to you, which made my heart like a sponge. Um, and all my brothers and sisters here, that we would be ready for the outpouring you want to give us. It's, it's like that sponge that you've been using to clean way too much and now it's filled with dirt and grime and it's not absorbing what it needs to take in, Lord. Just take my heart, wring it out, wring out all those things that are taking up those spots in my heart that are not being open for you, Lord, so that, so that I can absorb that oil in those vessels in the heart sponge in my heart, Lord. So just wring that out, any dirt and grime, so that it would be open for you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Fresh oil. Lord, 
I'm asking to um, you show me where um, my little vessels are full of something that's not you. Help me pour it out and wash me clean and then fill me up again and don't let me be afraid to not take that oil um, and pour it out for others. Lord, I don't want to hold on to something that you've given me so tightly that it goes to the back of the corner and it, um, and it's not fresh anymore, Lord. I'm asking um, for the faith to be able to receive the oil and to then pour it out. It doesn't do any good if I take my lamp with me and my oil and then never put it in to burn it, that I just leave it. That, I, that my lamp goes out because I just refuse to use the oil you've given me, Lord. Lord, so somewhere in between helping me um, pour out the, the little spots in me, the vessels that need to be cleaned and, and purified and filled with your oil also help me to just keep pouring out and not holding on, not holding on so tight. I cannot store it up in the way that the world wants me to in the way that my brain my my own self clamors to just hold on so tight lord i know i need to pour it out and i'm trusting you with that lord i just want that fresh oil i'm asking for fresh oil <laughs> 